0: The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. guys welcome to another episode of true crime society podcast with stephanie and olivia it is february 2nd (laughs) just like it was last time we recorded as you know we're doing back-to-back recordings olivia is going away with her fulfilling life on another (laughs) fun adventure so we are doing this one in advance she makes doing the intros a little hard sometimes i thought about something we could talk about that i mean it's a pretty popular show but olivia and i we don't Watch a lot of the same TV shows, considering we live on different sides of the world. <laughs> but we've both been watching The Last of Us. Yeah, um, it's funny because I feel like we have very
1: different tastes in TV, but we have both somehow ended up on this. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't. I don't watch a lot of TV. I mean, Neither my TV is like always on, but I just like don't really watch anything. I watch The Bachelor and a few other like dumb reality shows, but pretty much just The Bachelor. I watched like House of the Dragon. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I watched White Lotus recently. Yeah, I which watched that too. I'm like the only person that I feel like didn't love the first season, but I like the second season a lot. And now we're watching The Last of Us, but Mike played the game to some extent. Um, so he knows a little bit what goes on. But what do you think so far? We're we're only at episode three. I know more episodes will be out by the time we this episode comes out. And we won't give any, like, spoilers or anything, even though the show's, like, kind of spoiled because it's already a video game.
1: (laughs) I have really been enjoying it. I was saying to Jeanette, who's in our True Crime Society admin group, that, like, I wish there was a zombie channel. (laughs) Because I would always – like, I love – zombie movies you know end of the world apocalyptic type movies or shows i always would pick that to watch which i know you don't like that so um yeah i've really really been enjoying it i think it's really well done Mm
0: -hmm. for those who don't know just as like a summary even though i feel like it's been all over the internet but it's basically like a, a zombie type show where um a parasite usually it like can usually they can't like take over humans because of our body temperatures but like because of global warming they've like evolved so like the parasites that will take over like a bug or like a bat and like the parasite will control their body is now happening to humans so basically humans get this parasite and they become like zombies basically but these zombies since it's like a, a parasite there's like a lot of like fungus and mushroom type things involved which like i just i totally hate like i hate <laughs> the site of a fungus or a mushroom or anything like that it makes me want to vomit so it's been a little bit of a struggle for me but <laughs> it is <laughs> very well done it's really interesting and i did used to love zombie stuff like i was watching the walking dead but even with the walking oh, dead yeah. it got to the point crazy where they killed glenn and i was like <laughs> i'm done i was like why do i watch the show that kills off everyone i like every episode is sad it's not even entertaining. I find no joy in this at all. It's Because um, I used to love The Walking
1: Dead as well. Like, that was one show that my husband and I, when it was first started, would sit down and we watch all- whenever it was released, all the time. But then towards the end, I'm like, what is even going on anymore? <laughs> I,
0: I can't feel believe like it lasted as long shark. as it did.
1: No, I agree. And I think that's like when you mentioned White Lotus, I feel like that's the difference with that. Essentially, there's like I think eight episodes per season and every season is a new, new story like it's not based on this really like I know there was one crossover character in White Lotus but it was kind of based on like the same premise but totally different story each time which I think works well so and I feel like this is like oh I don't know I haven't played the video game so I actually have no idea what's going to happen or what's coming next (laughs) so um I feel like that's the same like there seems to be new people being introduced all the time Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's i've enjoyed it and the way i kind of pick a, like a movie or a show is if my husband says do you want to watch this i'll look it up on INDB and if it's like 6 and up usually yes like 6 is still a low score for me most things i've ever watched are like in the 7s or 8s that seems to be like a generally pretty solid score this gets 9.3 out of 10 i actually do not know the last time i've seen a show that has rated so highly on there
0: yeah, people are, like, obsessed with the game. I never played it, but um, people really like it. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I have I really like it. It's well, I love stories with, like, good characters and the stories and all that in the background. But I am a little worried because Episode 3 was so fucking depressing. It was really good, but it was so sad.
1: Yeah. I've seen some it, people say it's, like, a masterpiece. It was actually mm-hmm. – Someone who's never, and I know, I think most people, well, people who have played the game, especially, were very into it because apparently it had confirmed some, which I won't give spoilers, but confirmed some things about characters in the game. But it was very, very well done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess the the little kind of like sad mini story that was going on had a, a happy-ish ending or the ending made you feel happier. But it made me so sad where I was like, this is going to be like The Walking Dead. Like I'm not going to be able to watch it. But then I get FOMO because like I want to like talk about <laughs> it with everyone. About it. <laughs> yeah. No, and it, it was really good. It was great. Even Mike said to me the next day, he's like, I feel like that was like one of the best like TV episodes I've ever seen. Mm. I was like, it
1: was really good. It's so good when there's something quality that everyone likes. Like I feel like White yeah. Lotus was similar to that. Everyone was talking about it. This is the next thing, it seems.
0: Yeah, I just get worried because I, like I said, I used to really like. Um, apocalypse dystopia type stuff but I feel like ever since the pandemic it like became a little too real where I was like this could happen and when I see the scenes of like mass hysteria and panic I get so worried because I'm like what if this was me what would I do where'd my cats be how would I save them and like my family and everyone I love
1: There's one movie I watched and actually the name escapes me, I'll think of it, but basically it was about, they knew the end of the world was coming and they basically, where you were in the world, it would come at like just say midday. So some people knew they had like 18 hours, some people knew they had four hours and it was basically what they would do in those last hours. Mm. Um, Yeah. So that's the same, along the same kind of premise, like want to die straight away I wouldn't wait for it and other people like I would like some people in the movie went and partied and took a whole bunch of drugs and just it's just interesting what yeah what what kind of the thought process you come to after watching a show or a movie like that
0: yeah so I mean we'll see I'm gonna try to watch it but then um, I just hope it doesn't turn into I hope the entertainment outweighs the like sadness of it because I do like when something's sad and it affects you like I get that that's like good but with The Walking Dead, it, like, got to the point where I was, like, it's not even entertaining anymore.
1: <laughs> I know. It was just that really, you know, went on. It was tantrum. just, like,
0: gory for the sake of being gory, just killing off everyone. So hopefully this doesn't end up like that. But I wonder if, if there's a set amount, like, if they're saying, okay,
1: this is going to be a one series thing or if it's, I don't know, like, I wonder what the what the plan is for it.
0: Well, there's two games, so maybe is two there? seasons, unless they stretch it out or something. I don't know. But if any of you guys are watching it, let us know what you think. It's it's kind of hard to talk about without spoiling anything. But I know it was a popular thing, so
1: oh, here you go. In January 2023, the series was renewed for a second season. <laughs> yeah, so I feel will
2: definitely be least two. two. Yeah.
0: All right, let's get on with the episode. This episode, we are going to talk about two different cases. I mean, they're not really similar, besides the fact that young girl victims i guess but there are two that um a lot of people are talking about right now so one is about madison brooks she has like a horrific story where she was very drunk taken advantage of she was raped and then she ended up being hit by a car and she died and it's just like it's a horrible story we've Um, had so many messages about that case as well about maddie's case um
1: it's it's just it's horrible and then the people now involved are being even more horrible it seems so
0: yeah so we'll get into all that and the second one we're going to talk about is the murder of a Colombian I don't know if she's Colombian but it happened in Colombia I'm pretty sure she is Colombian yeah yeah she was a DJ um and she was murdered by her boyfriend her name is Valentina Trace Palacios hopefully saying that right and so we'll get into both of those stories. We're going to start with Madison Brooks um, just as a trigger warning. It's not like overly graphic, but it's just like it's a horrible story. It but, yeah. has to both do with
1: – Sorry, both of the stories involve sexual abuse and rape.
0: Yeah. So like I said, we're not going to go into like horribly graphic details, but just the whole scenario, I understand it can be upsetting to people, especially if anyone's been in similar um, situations. So just as a warning – that they're horrible stories.
2: To the latest after the death of an LSU sophomore earlier this month, the details are incredibly disturbing as we have learned that several people are now charged with raping Madison Brooks after a night of drinking just before she died. Casey Siegel with Fox News is following this story and joins us live with the latest. Casey, thanks for being here. Hi, Josh. This story is incredibly uh, difficult, and we've been reporting on this now for days. The coroner has officially said that the manner of death is still under investigation, but has officially ruled that the cause of death was due to multiple traumatic injuries, second motor vehicle versus pedestrian. That means that 19-year-old Madison Brooks was incapacitated at the scene, but later died at the hospital after being struck by a car in the early morning hours of January 15th. Police say that the LSU sophomore had been abandoned on the side of the road by three men and a 17-year-old. Prosecutors say two of the men raped the victim while the others watched. At this hour, we can tell you that two of the suspects are already out on bond. Investigators say they were seen on surveillance video with the victim outside of a Baton Rouge bar and offered to give her a ride home.
0: So Madison, she was a 19-year-old female who died after she was struck by a car in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on January 15, 2023. Um, she seemed to have everything going for her. She was an LSU sophomore and was recently accepted into the Manship School of Mass Communication. She was an active sorority member. Um, she graduated from St. Scholastica Academy in 2021, where she was an honor roll student, cheerleader, member of Doves for Life Spirit Club, and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So she seemed like she had a lot going on. She was involved in the community. She was very involved with um, her school and sports. So, seemed like a great student. Her family have also said that she enjoyed adventures, traveling, she liked skydiving, skiing, experiencing new cities, and most importantly, spending time with her family and friends. In her obituary, they said Madison's heart was pure, her laugh infectious, and she lived every day to the fullest. Her legacy will forever shine in the stars above So we'll get into the timeline leading up to her death. Um, At 10.06pm on Saturday, January 14th, Madison can be seen on CCTV entering Reggie's bar in Tigerland, which is in Baton Rouge. Seems like a dump.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like there's photos of the bar online. It's kind of like a wood Dive bar. Yeah, dive bar. They've got a sign out the front that looks like kind of spray painted. I'm pretty sure it is a definite dive bar.
0: Yeah. 10:18 PM, Kason Carver in Kavon, Washington. We've also heard news reports say Kavon. So I've heard both. I'm not exactly sure which is correct. I'm gonna go with Kavon because that's just how I feel in my heart.
1: It's spelled K-A-I-V-O-N. So I feel like Kavon makes sense. But when I did watch some videos, they do say Kavon. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. We can.
0: I only clarify because I know someone will message me <laughs> <laughs> and tell me I said it wrong. Um, So they're both 18. Everett Lee, who is Kayvon's 28-year-old uncle, and an unidentified 17-year-old are seen arriving at Reggie's. So the 17-year-old's never named just because he's technically a minor. So he's always just the 17-year-old. So that according to the affidavit, it says inside the bar, the victim and Kayson's 17-year-old friend were seen hugging and dancing. The group stayed at Reggie's for hours. At 1 a.m., Madison seemed to be intoxicated. So there's video of Madison where she tried to stand up uh, from a stool to readjust her pants, but she ended up stumbling backwards. Um, The affidavit says the victim got back on her feet with the help of three individuals. So she was intoxicated enough at this point where she was falling over and couldn't really stand up properly. Um, So she fell over in the bar at 1.34 a.m., The main suspect in this case is the 17-year-old who hasn't been named. The suspect, so him, removed her baseball cap, and Madison could be seen grabbing the teen's hands while getting back on her feet, the document alleges. So it seems like they were just messing around, kind of. At 1.49 a.m., Madison left the bar with the four males. The group got into a vehicle outside the bar at 1.54 a.m. At 2.50 a.m., Um, The traffic division received a call about a fatal crash on Burbank Drive. Madison was found laying in the roadway and she had been struck by a vehicle. She was taken to the hospital where she died from her injuries. So a spokesperson for the sheriff's office said that the person that was driving that struck Madison was not impaired and they contacted emergency personnel immediately. So it seems like they were just driving. I don't know if she was in the road or what, but they weren't at fault, it seems. So police started looking into Madison's final movements, and at 6.10 on January 16th, Kazen Carver went to the sheriff's office. He waived his right to an attorney and agreed to give a statement to police. So he told police that he and his friends went to Reggie's on the 15th. He admitted that they all drank alcohol. He said he saw Madison drinking alcohol at the bar. He also said he didn't know Madison and never seen her before that night. Kaysen said Madison was very intoxicated and that she was unstable on her feet. She wasn't able to keep her balance and was unable to speak without slurring. Kacen said he saw Madison and the 17-year-old hugging and walking together. He said Madison asked her a ride home and that he agreed because she was very drunk and he didn't want to leave her alone. Kacen said he asked Madison where her friends were, but that she was drunk and didn't know where they were. He said that Madison got into the vehicle with the males. And that he was driving, and he said Madison, the 17 year old, and Kayvon sat in the back. He asked Madison for her address, but she apparently fell over. That's what they said in the affidavit, but since she was sitting, it's a little confusing. We're assuming that maybe she just like leaned over, like fell over, kind of, you know, and that she didn't answer him about the address. Um, So this is where it gets um, a little graphic. The Terminology we're using is from the affidavit, just to be clear.
1: When we posted a few articles about this, the articles do say things like Madison had sex, which is obviously likely not the case because she couldn't consent. But this is the terminology from the affidavit. We didn't write this terminology, but this is what the terminology the police are using is.
0: Yeah. So it says... Kaysen said he drove for a short distance before he pulled over. He heard the 17-year-old ask Madison five times if she wanted to have sex with him. His story was that Madison said yes. He said that Madison and the teen had sex in the rear seats of the car. He said that Kayvon got out of the car while they had sex. When they were finished, the 17-year-old got out of the car and Kayvon got back in. Kaysen said Kayvon asked Madison multiple times if she wanted to have sex with him and that she again said yes. They then had sex in the rear of the car. Kaysen has said that he and Kayvon's uncle remained in the front seat while the sex acts were going on. So this whole thing is just like disgusting. Kaysen said he stated, we got to stop this. Let's go. He said that Kayvon and Madison stopped having sex and then put their clothes back on. Kacen told police that he felt uncomfortable while the sex acts were going on and that he hated it. Police asked him if Madison was too impaired to consent to sexual intercourse, and he replied, I guess. Um, he also said they drove around and tried to find where Madison lived before finally dropping her off in a subdivision. And then, that's, then she ended up being hit by oh, a car wow. at some point. So on January 18, 2023, an autopsy was conducted on Madison. The pathologist reported that she had injuries consistent with anal sexual assault her urine tested positive for thc shane evans the chief of investigations for east baton rouge parish coroner's office said that madison died from multiple traumatic injuries second motor vehicle collision versus pedestrian police got madison's medical reports from when she was admitted to the hospital before she died her blood alcohol content was 0.319 which is very very high Mm. um According to the University of Notre Dame, research a BAC of between .250 and .399 indicates alcohol poisoning and loss of consciousness. So she was right in the middle of that, a little on the higher side, right in the middle.
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot. Like it's a very high blood alcohol content.
0: Yeah, so there was no way that she was remotely coherent. No. Um or like aware. Police contacted the 17-year-old's mother on January 21st. The mother said that she and the son didn't want to give a statement. Police also contacted Kayvon. He voluntarily waived his rights to an attorney and agreed to give a statement. Very dumb on his part. When Kayvon spoke to police, he said that he was sad about Madison's death. He also said, We were the last people she seen. He confirmed to police that he and his group left the bar with Madison. He said he was walking behind her to the car and he laughed and in his mind said, how y'all just meet a random girl and bring her home. Kayvon also admitted that Madison was stumbling and did not have her balance. He said that when they got to their car, Madison attempted to open the door of another random vehicle. He said they had to tell her she was trying to get into the wrong car. He said he witnessed Madison and the 17-year-old touching each other's private areas while in the car. He said the 17-year-old had his hand on her vaginal area, and he also said that Madison had her hand on the teen's penis area over his clothes. He denied witnessing the 17-year-old have sex with Madison, and he also denied having sex with her himself. He described Madison's state of intoxication by saying, like when I tell you drunk drunk, she was drunk. Kayvon was asked for an oral DNA swab, and it was at this point that he requested an attorney. So on January 23rd, 2023, Kaysen, Kayvon, and Everett Lee were booked into East Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office Jail. Kaysen and Everett were charged with principals to third-degree rape. Kayvon was charged with third-degree rape, as was the unnamed 17-year-old. So I'm assuming that Kayvon's DNA was found on Masson, and they were able to prove that he did rape her even though he said that he did yeah so in louisiana third degree rape involves sexual intercourse that is deemed to be without the lawful consent of a victim according to the state law attorneys for the suspects have now argued that video showed the victim was not drunk to the point where she was unable to consent to sex attorney ronald haley who is representing two of the suspects says video showed madison willfully got into the car Sorry, this, the attorneys make me so mad in this situation. Like, yeah, she got into the car because she wanted to ride home.
1: I just feel like, too, there's no need for them to be saying all this. Like, if whatever they want to argue in court is their thing, but there's just these public statements are just unnecessary and hurtful and repulsive, essentially.
0: I know. If this was my family member that they were saying this shit about, I would lose my mind like we were talking so about disgusting
1: before we recorded and I wonder if any of these attorneys have daughters because honestly this I hope is not next level not correct
0: it's just like it's like slander basically like they're just slandering her she was just a poor girl out having fun and they're trying to act like this was okay
1: and I like I totally get defense attorneys have a job but do it in the courtroom yeah. there's no need to be talking to Fox News and giving these disgusting interviews
0: for yeah, no reason exactly actually. Um, He went on to say, absolutely not a rape. Listen, this is a tragedy, definitely not a crime. He acknowledges that Madison did appear intoxicated. So he went on to say, to the point under the law that you say you're in a drunken stupor, to the point that you cannot lawfully give consent or answer questions, absolutely that was not the case. It's like with her blood alcohol content, I'm pretty sure it was.
1: And she went like there's photos of Madison online. She's A petite person like I don't know how tall she was but I'm assuming like five foot five maybe at the most you know it's not like she was a 300 pound six foot person who could maybe absorb a lot of alcohol it looks like she was petite and that would have you would think then that blood alcohol content would have had a big effect on her.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Around this time, LSU President William F. Tate released a statement in which he said Madison should not have been taken from us in this way. What happened to her was evil and our legal system will parcel out justice. Our collective grief and outrage cannot be put into mere words. On January 23rd, the alcohol license for Reggie's Bar was suspended. The Louisiana Office of Alcohol and Tobacco Control are working with area law enforcement to investigate and share evidence about recent incidents at this business. They'll hold an emergency hearing next month to decide what penalties, if any, should be imposed based on the evidence presented. Reggie's issued a statement saying that Masson used a fake ID to get into the bar. They said even though she entered the bar with false identification, she wasn't served, nor did she consume any drinks, at least during the last hour she was at Reggie's. Reggie says voluntarily turned over all video surveillance footage to EBRSO and has fully cooperated with investigators since they were first contacted and requested to assist on Sunday, January 15th. Also, Reggie's has reached out directly to LSU President Tate in response to his call for action. Look forward to meeting with him and his team soon to work together to address the issues raised in his recent press release.
1: The statement about her not having any drinks, at least not during the last hour, is kind of interesting. Like, I wonder what difference the last hour would have made. It's just an interesting point that they included that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I guess they're like just thinking about it now maybe they like they're working towards that they knew she was intoxicated therefore they didn't serve her any drinks in that last hour especially maybe I don't know
0: yeah I don't know because we don't know too much about her night prior like was she out drinking somewhere else and was there went there after I also haven't
1: read anything about the people that she was with she may have gone there alone I don't know but I haven't really seen anything about yeah I'm very
0: curious about that not that It really really makes a difference, but just like this poor girl is out totally wasted by herself. Yeah. It seems. So Chris Parrott, an attorney for Reggie, spoke to The Independent and said that Maddie worked at the bar for a month between June 11th and July 11th last year as a door girl applying wristbands to patrons. So she was terminated on or about July 11th, 2022, after engaging in an altercation with another female employee. On January 24, 2023, all three adult males appeared in court for a bond hearing. This info about the hearings from Fox News says Judge Brad Myers from the 19th Judicial District says he personally had viewed footage related to the case, according to local news stations. Meyer says he watched a video of Madison and the suspects from inside the vehicle, according to the report. Meyer said footage, which was allegedly taken by one of the four suspects, depicted the others callously laughing at Madison, who appeared to slur as she spoke. The video reportedly did not include the rape, so it seems like someone in the car was like recording them like being jerks and like laughing yeah. at her for being super drunk. Myers also says he saw footage that showed Madison inside Reggie's earlier in the night as she struggled to stand up and could be seen falling. The judge reportedly says he believes based on the footage and other evidence that a crime occurred. Prosecutors announced on this day that they would be seeking to charge the suspects with first-degree rape, though it was not clear if they planned to take the action against all or only some of the males. Um, Prosecutors are also expected to empanel a grand jury. George Myers orders Kayvon be held on a $150,000 bond in connection with the third degree rape charge. Kaysen and Everett, charged as principals, are ordered held on $50,000 and $75,000, respectively. Kaysen and Everett posted bond on this day and were released. Kayvon posted bond on January 26th and was released. The males all have to wear ankle monitors and remain on house arrest as a condition of their bond. They have also been ordered to not make social media posts about the case and they are not allowed to contact Masson's family. They must also submit to random drug tests. The younger member of the group, the 17 year old, will be held in juvenile detention in a juvenile detention center until his court hearing in February. On january twenty seventh, footage of Masson leaving the bar was made public. She can be seen running across the road outside the bar. So another shitty defense attorney, Joe Long, is this is Kaysen's attorney said the evidence we've seen so far of Miss Brooks running across the street from Reggie's undermines the police's version of events. And until our experts can look at what happened, we believe that the BAC is inaccurate. It's literally from the hospital. I doubt it's inaccurate. (laughs) Like I've seen the footage.
1: It's kind of grainy. It's dark. But basically, she runs across the road. She doesn't fall over. Um, But essentially, it's a clip of seconds so you know i just i feel like you cannot
0: obtain any of that from the footage you can't base how she was the entire night off of a shitty five second clip of her scurrying across a road especially when there's other
1: footage of her falling off her seat falling over needing three people to help her up like in this
0: case clutching at straws casein and Kayvon themselves admitted that she was really, really drunk.
1: Yeah, even that thing, like, when I say
0: drunk, I mean drunk, you know? Yeah, and they're like, she was slurring. Yeah, She just, like, fell over in the car. She wasn't responding to them. Like, they literally said this themselves. Yeah. So on January 30th, it was revealed that Kayvon was arrested again and charged with first-degree rape in connection with the alleged sexual assault of a 12-year-old girl in 2020. He would have been 15 when this happened. This info about that comes from People. Says According to an affidavit, the victim's mother brought her to the hospital in May 2021 after the victim told her about the alleged rape in 2020. The victim said she was at a birthday party and left the party to go swimming at an apartment complex. She and a female friend went back to her apartment and were joined by Kayvon and another male. While they were in the apartment, Kayvon followed the victim into her room where he allegedly covered her mouth while he raped her for about 30 minutes. Kayvon allegedly denied the accusation, the documents show. Um, So Kayvon is just trash. I know it's alleged, but it all seems to line up. Yeah. Um, Kayvon's attorney spoke with WBRZ and said, Mr. Washington and his mother cooperated with the investigation two years ago and law enforcement took no action. Upon the review of the new statement from a witness that came forward yesterday, we are concerned not only of the timing of the statement, but whether it meets the threshold of probable cause. On January 30th, the attorney representing Maddie's family also made a statement about the case. Carrie Miller said she was raped. Rape is rape. It's just a horrific, terrible situation. And to the extent that those involved with the alleged rapist want to blame the victim and show up at press conferences and say things, we're standing up for Maddie. That's not right. He added, she was a victim of a horrific rape, which led to her death. It seems like the family made a statement like that because um, case and shitty defense attorney Joe Long still chatting away victim blaming Madison said somewhere if Miss Brooks was alive, this would not be a crime. She would not have complained about it at all. The only reason it's there is because the understandable anger in the community wants someone to pay for her death. And we understand that. But our clients did not do that.
1: It's disgusting.
0: When I was uh, reading this earlier, and it's interesting that he says if Miss Brooks was alive, this would not be a crime because, um, of course, it still would be a crime. But I was like, I literally wrote down what's sad is if she did live, honestly, they might have all gotten away with this because in a lot of situations like this, the girl, the victim, yo, know, or they feel so ashamed and like embarrassed. Like, why did I let myself get this drunk? Like, you just kind of start blaming yourself and you just feel shitty. You feel like it's it's your fault. And they end up talking themselves out of coming forward because they're like, do I want to deal with this? Do I want to go to court? And they're embarrassed, basically. So even though they know what happened was rape and what happened was terrible, a lot of times people don't come forward because they're just embarrassed.
1: Yeah, it's just horrific. Like, And I just feel like it's just extra horrific, even if that's possible, based on these statements made by the attorneys. It's just unnecessary.
0: Yeah, the attorneys and all the people involved that don't see this as like a disgusting, horrible crime. They just have no respect for women and just like no respect to pe- for people. Like how could you, someone who's that drunk clearly needs help, but you see it as an opportunity to get off and have sex with them. That shouldn't even turn you on you should just be concerned and want to get this person help like if she she probably had legit alcohol poisoning
1: I wonder too if there might be any more charges coming in terms of kind of negligence of them dropping her off the you know in the middle of nowhere when she was clearly intoxicated I wonder if anything can come from that like
0: her family they I mean they could definitely be sued for like wrongful death yeah probably the bar too it's sad because I feel like there's a lot of girls like even myself there's like so many girls out there where you've been in situations where you've either seen guys trying to take advantage of girls that are too drunk or you've been the girl that's like been too drunk and some scumbag guys trying to like take advantage of you. And I feel like the newer generations are bringing up their children to like know better that just be, like if someone is that drunk, they can't consent to sex. Like it's yeah. not okay. Where I feel like older generations, it's not as much of a thing that they learned when they were kids because I really feel like-
1: spoken about.
0: When I was younger, there was that big case with that like dirtbag guy who um, assaulted that girl behind a dumpster and got off with it. He was like a swimmer. I can't think of his name right now. It was a big case. But that was like the big case where then everyone was like, wow, if a girl's drunk, like she can't consent to sex. Like that was when it became a big thing.
1: I just had a look to see if there was any updates in the case There aren't really. The case does seem to have kind of slowed down a bit, except for the news about the rape and the 12-year-old. That was kind of the most recent thing that's happened. I'm assuming this is going to be a long legal process for this case. And they've been, everyone's been very vocal, as we've mentioned. So I'm assuming we'll hear more as it comes out in terms of you know, maybe evidence and things like that. But it'll definitely be a long, ongoing process, I think, in that case.
0: With a lot more victim blaming, and it's disgusting. Yeah. And the yeah. case I was thinking of is Brock Turner.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yes, I forgot about him. I pushed him out of my mind. <laughs> Another scumbag. And even when, like, and I know when you read the affidavit, the affidavit is sloppy. Like, I agree, the terminology used in the affidavit is absolutely probably not the terminology that should have been used. But
0: well, I get just- like why in the affidavit because, like, yes, Fair the crime story. is Fair rape. Story.
1: Yeah. Like their story is like, we had sex, which I guess is why it's written that way in the affidavit. But
0: I think they're just describing like the action. Cause like if you put in rape there, you're already assuming it was a yeah, crime. Yeah. Whereas the affidavit's supposed to just be like, what happened? Yeah. Like the news articles in the headlines and stuff should be putting rape, not like sex. the news articles sometimes are putting like, she had sex with them. And yeah. But yeah. So sometimes people get mad at us for stuff like that. But um, we're just sharing the news what's been sometimes it's not our literal words yeah all right so the next
1: case that we're going to discuss today is the murder of valentina tres palacios i hope we are saying that right
2: tonight a wisconsin man and father of three linked to a gruesome
1: murder in south america
2: from the moment that i was uh uh captured is that the right word in uh, bogota I ASKED FOR AN ATTORNEY.
1: THAT'S FRANKLIN HIGH SCHOOL GRAD JOHN PULOS IN A COLUMBIA COURTROOM. HE'S CHARGED WITH KILLING HIS 23-YEAR-OLD GIRLFRIEND AND DJ, VALENTINA Trace palacios PROSECUTORS SAY HE BEAT AND STRANGLED THE WOMAN, THEN STUFFED HER BODY IN A SUITCASE, TOSSING IT IN THE TRASH. AND BRINGS IT
2: TO THE car THE CART. Uh, with the bag. Wednesday, prosecutors showed surveillance video of Pulos entering and leaving the woman's apartment with what they say is the same blue suitcase a city garbage worker found with the body inside just over a week ago.
1: Officers caught Pulos in Panama as he reportedly tried to flee to Turkey. She was a 23-year-old woman in Colombia in South America. She was a DJ. She has, she's very successful. I'm just going to get her for Instagram.
0: Yeah, she seemed like a, a pretty popular DJ. Yeah,
1: I had tried to have a look at her Instagram the other day. It's now private, but she does have 16,000 followers. You know, it seems like she was kind of well-known on the nightclub scene where she lived, mm-hmm. so – you anyway, she was dating an American man named John Nelson Paulus who's 35 and he is the main suspect in her murder. In terms of background for Valentina, we haven't really heard too much yet. You know, I guess she's still very young. Um, but we do know in terms of John and his background that he was formerly married to an Ashley Paulus and they had three children. They lived in Texas together. So there are some photos online of the family. Like he, I don't know, when I saw his photo, I wouldn't pick him to be someone who's going to go to South America and live. He looks like
0: a, mid- a middle-aged
1: derpy, <laughs> I don't even know, like dweeb. You know, yeah, a dweeb, like a little bit dorky um washed up yeah so like when when he was with his wife like the photos of the kids if you saw that photo on Facebook it really could be any family they just look normal Two, you know two parents three children I think there's a photo of them in a church like it might have been like a baptism or something so you know he's just not a person I would pick looks wise to be involved in something like this Mm
0: mm-hmm
1: Um, So John and Ashley's oldest son, Jackson, just as a little bit more background, was only four years old when doctors diagnosed him with a stage four sarcoma in his GI tract and abdomen. That type of cancer is very rare and there's only about 350 cases a year in the USA. So Jackson did have a 13-hour operation in which the surgeon removed more than 150 tumours that were detected in his pelvis, appendix, spleen and gallbladder. doesn't really matter, it's not related to the story, but if you do Google John, there'll be a lot of kind of information about Jackson's cancer answer that comes up at some point though Ashley filed a restraining order against John due to violence and the couple did divorce in 2021 so according to the New York Post John met Valentina on a dating app a year ago there are lots of varying reports I feel like a lot of this is kind of lost in translation as well there's a lot of you know people take what they want from the different sources but some reports I've seen have said that he was dating Valentina for around eight months and another report I saw said that he first met her in September 2022. So anyway either way it was less than a year. He was apparently planning to leave the U.S. and start a new life in Colombia. On Saturday, January 21, John and Valentina were seen on CCTV together. As we said, she was a DJ and the two were seen getting out of a cab. They were going to a nightclub so Valentina could do a gig at the Nexus nightclub. She worked and finished her set at 5 a.m. She was then seen leaving the office of the nightclub's owner while John was in the bathroom. They got another cab. At First, I read it was to John's apartment. He had only moved into it days earlier on the Friday. Since this has all come out, I've actually learned that it was an Airbnb and he only rented it for a few days. So it wasn't essentially his apartment. I guess it was his apartment in terms of it was leased to him. But anyway, they went back to his apartment. Where he was staying. So what happened after they got back to the apartment is pretty much unknown, but we do know that John was seen on Sunday, January 22nd, putting a suitcase into his VW Voyager. He drove the car to the south side of Bogota. I hope I'm saying that right. I think I am. (laughs) Where he tossed the suitcase into a dumpster near the park and he drove towards the airport. So I think we can kind of see where this is likely going. John had a plan to evade police. His plan was that he purchased multiple airplane tickets with cash. One from Panama City to Sao Paulo, Brazil, and then a flight to Istanbul in Turkey, where he would connect on a plane to Montenegro, where there is no extradition treaty with Colombia. So he had this all thought out really very quickly. Mm. On Sunday afternoon, a person who was searching the dumpster for recyclables found a suitcase, the suitcase that John had dumped. There are photos of this online, it's everywhere, you know, but basically the photo is the suitcase and at the top is Valentina's head. You can see it, she clearly didn't fit in the suitcase, so he's kind of zipped up around her, just leaving her head sticking out of the top. An autopsy was carried out for Valentina and her cause of death was determined to be mechanical asphyxia or strangulation. Police moved fairly quickly, which was good, I think. Like there wasn't a real lag in time and John didn't really have time to get far. Thank God because I feel like once he got out, who knows where he was going. Especially to a country with no extradition. Mm -hmm. But anyway, John was arrested on the Tuesday night by Panamanian immigration agents and Interpol. This was right before he was about to board his flight to Turkey. So when John was arrested, he told the authorities that he had fled to Panama because the cartel wanted to kill him. And he also told the authorities that the cartel was behind Valentina's murder. Of course, of course. <laughs> the arrest warrant for John states, quote, that he is the alleged perpetrator of causing the violent death of Va- Valentina Tres Palacios, who was found in a blue travel suitcase inside the garbage container. So John was charged with four counts. They are aggravated femicide, concealment, alteration and destruction of evidence, there are some photos of John after he was arrested. On the side view kind of mugshot, you can see he's got a really large scratch on his face. It kind of goes from underneath his eye almost the way to his ear. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. that's a defense scratch from Valentina. Um, in the photo where he's kind of, he's handcuffed behind his back. <laughs> he's extra derpy in that photo. He's got like, I don't know, he just looks like a loser. <laughs> I can't even describe Yeah, it. like a, He just looks like a loser with ill-fitting clothes. Yeah. So there's a friend about, uh, sorry, a friend of Valentina's named Veronica has been speaking to the media and she has told them that John was very jealous. He was apparently mad that Valentina refused his demands to go public with their relationship on her social media accounts. She told him that her social network was only to promote her DJ work. Valentina's mother, Laura, has also kind of reinforced that John was very jealous and possessive. She said that he had hired a PI to follow Valentina around. Her mother said, he was the one who hurt my daughter and he doesn't deserve to be around like if nothing happened. I want justice done. It is not fair that a foreigner comes to excite a Colombian girl and ends up like this. I hope this case does not go unpunished. He was the last person to see her alive and he didn't have to hurt her. So John appeared in court firstly on January 26. The hearing lasted for five hours there were some issues because apparently the um, translator wasn't fluent enough in English. Because John obviously isn't fluent in Spanish, so there was a few issues on that side. I've read that John obtained, uh, sorry, I've read that John declined a public offender defender and said that his parents had obtained an attorney for him. So he seems like, you know, an entitled rich kid, maybe. Mm. Um, He said, they denied me a lawyer in Panama, and when I got to the airport, I asked to speak to the U.S. Embassy, which took a long time. Only an hour before the hearing, my defense attorney arrived, which is not what a normal person would want. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love when, like, murderers have, like, demands and, like, <laughs> talk about how they're treated. Like, well, they, he also complained to the judge because he didn't feel safe in the Bogota jail because of the case's notoriety and he demanded additional security. Like, you've likely committed a heinous, disgusting murder and you're now you're in, in one of probably the most- You want sc- security. In one of the most scary countries in the world to be in jail in, and now you're demanding. Like, it's just so ridiculous. It's like you, you got what you signed for. Yeah. Like, it's not like he just committed it in a you know upscale area, and he was going to be held in a nice jail, cushy jail somewhere. He's in a South American jail. I feel like that yeah. is going to be next level. So good, too bad perfect for him. punishment. Yeah. So he appeared in court again on Friday, January 7th, 27th, and we learned a little bit more about what possibly happened on the night of the murder. Daniel Gomez is the lead prosecutor, and he said that John killed Valentina after he forced her to have sex with him, and then he repeatedly struck her body with his fists. He then wrapped his hands around her neck until he strangled her to death. Daniel Gomez said, There was a cycle of psychological violence that preceded the crime, which was represented in the activity of jealousy and control over Valentina's social life. You took her life as a result of the jealousy process. So during that court appearance, Daniel also spoke about how John had hired a PI to follow Valentina. When you think about the fact that they'd only been together for a few months, like that's not normal in any relationship, but it sounds like he was so, so, so paranoid, controlling to be with someone for weeks and then to, you know, hire a PI to follow them around.
0: Just like disgusting.
1: Daniel Gomez said it was a behavior that must be understood as violent given that it affected the physical, moral and psychological inte- integrity of the victim since it exploited her status as a woman. So it was also explained during this appearance that if John decided to go to trial, he could be sentenced to 500 to 600 months. Let's look up how many years that is. So that's a 600 months is 50 years. So Why wouldn't they it, just say that? I don't know. Maybe it's just part of their legal system. So, I don't It's know. like when people say babies are 32 months <laughs> instead of like – I'm assuming it's 40 to 50 years. Should yeah. he be found guilty of murder, he could face up to 48 months also in prison for concealment, alteration, and destruction of evidence. They did leave open an offer though that would reduce the sentence to 375 months, which is still not – I guess it's, you know, let me just work it out. I'm glad I've got my calculator off. That's 31 years. If he accepted a guilty plea of femicide, as well as they would reduce the other charges to 24 months. So the judge would have to accept those terms and John wouldn't be allowed to back out. But it sounds like basically he is not agreeing to that. He wants to go to trial and hopefully for him get off. Yeah, of course. He's a smug prick. He's not going to take a plea deal. So on January 30, an article by the city paper Bogota spoke about obstacles that have already arisen in the legal process for this case. The translator that we mentioned earlier was forced to resign after her, you know, kind of lack of English. John claims that due process is not being facilitated by Colombia's legal system. So the lawyer that his parents seem to have hired for him resigned because he was getting death threats and the case has now been assigned to a Juan Manuel Falla. The change of defence has been addressed by the judge. The judge said, the fact that Paulus has not been able to find a trustworthy defence attorney for whatever reasons, either financial or because he did not find a bilingual lawyer, an implausible situation, the state has guaranteed his technical defence through the public defender's office. So they're basically is they're not taking any of his bullshit. They're like, you couldn't find your own lawyer. Here is one. You, you must have this one. Mm-hmm. On February 1st, so literally just a day or two ago, some more information about the case was released again by the city paper Bogota. We learned that the apartment John and Valentina, as I mentioned, was actually an Airbnb. He had arrived in Bogota from Atlanta just 72 hours before the murder. He caught a cab to the Airbnb and he asked the driver to help him get TUSI, I hope that's right, which is a synthetic drug known as pink cocaine. So at when, after they got back from the nightclub where they were seen on CCTV, on the Sunday at 9.12am, John left the apartment with two black bags belonging to Valentina. At 9.51, he then entered the apartment with a shopping cart and I feel like all of this is on CCTV. I've seen some stills of him doing all of this with a shopping cart in which he placed a blue suitcase partly covered with a grey blanket. Police believe that the blanket covered Valentina's face given that her entire body didn't fit in the suitcase. Before he allegedly dumped the suitcase, he wrapped it in two strands of 3M black duck tape. The investigator said it is clear that the disposal of the body was planned, given the long distance from the crime scene to where the body was identified. John is believed to have thrown Valentina's phone in a grassy field near the area. The phone was found by a man searching for missing car documents, which is a random fact, a random, you know, detail. But the man handed the phone over to authorities after he saw Valentina's face on the home screen and kind of realized that this was the woman he'd seen all over the news. When John was arrested, they did find a a roll of black duct tape, which is the same as what was found on the suitcase, as well as a boarding pass to Istanbul, three USB memory sticks and an iPad. So John had rented the VW that he kind of used to dump Valentina's body for, and the rental agreement was only for a period of three days. Valentina's family attorney said the suspect only had the intention of staying in Colombia for three days. The length of his stay is contrary to what the victim was led to believe. So that kind of insinuates yeah. to me that they believe he was only there to kill her. Like what What else would he be doing there just for three days? Seems mm-hmm. a long way to travel to visit someone for a weekend. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like that that's kind of the, the route they'll be going down. Valentina's friend Maria also told the court that Valentina was in love with another man. She said that she was, quote, very much in love with another man, but her relationship with John seemed normal. Valentina had been chatting with a cryptocurrency investor named Santiago Luna, and he last spoke with her on the Saturday. Like This is also another kind of random detail. Maria says that John was known on webcam pages as the man of magic, so (laughs) I'm not sure what what is going to come of that. Um, So in other key evidence, the Attorney General Office confirmed John sent Valentina money on a weekly basis and on one one occasion when he found out that she'd gone to Aruba, Valentina asked John to transfer her US $1,000 and John sent that money to Maria, I'm assuming for Valentina. So that is kind of the case up to date. It's a very recent case, obviously still very much in the process of happening. John is due again in court this week. We'll update you with more I feel like again in terms of Madison, the similarity to this is that there's gonna this is gonna be a long process. So, you know, it seems like he is going to keep coming back and forth, trying to either delay, get it thrown out. I just feel like this is gonna go on for a long time.
0: I'm very curious, not that it matters, but just about their relationship and how they met and why like she seemed cool and pretty and successful and he just seems like such a loser. Like what did he even have to offer?
1: I'm guessing he had money. I'm I'm assuming the money is maybe his parents' money. Like I, I haven't read in terms of him being successful in his own right, and especially if his parents are the ones, you know, hiring the attorney for him.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: seems so entitled and so arrogant. <sighs> Like, imagine thinking that you're going to get away with that and that once you don't get away with it, you're entitled to extra protection in a South American prison.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show who who he is, really. It's, like, exactly who he is. But doing this episode and then we recorded Deadly – dads before this last week's episode right now I just like hate men so much which I know is an unfair <laughs> thing to say because I know they're shitty women I know there's lots of nice men but like I just feel so enraged internally at all these pieces of shit that think that they just own women that they're above them that women are objects that they can just like have sex with and murder in terms
1: of when we were talking about him being kind of a nerd do you know who he reminds me looks wise of Josh Duggar <laughs> <laughs> he does yeah. yeah the same like derpy yeah like kind of ball in not- a little bit like I'm not making fun of these men but this is what he looks like like just if you if you can't if you go and read the blog and if you can't just picture Josh Dugger and that's basically him. Just as one kind of final in that case, as we mentioned, he's been charged with femicide. I don't know if we've ever given a definition of femicide, but if you're not sure what it is, it's a hate crime, which is broadly defined as the intentional killing of women or girls because they are female. I feel like we did a case recently where it was femicide as well. I can't. I
0: feel like we just talked about it in the episode we recorded, but I don't know what it would be. I can't remember. Anyway,
1: it's going to bug me now. Anyway, I'll find it out. But Apparently, Colombia is one of several Latin American countries to adopt femicide laws in an attempt to curb the endemic violence against women by men in the region.
0: I feel like that's not a thing here, but I feel like it should be. Yeah. But I'm not sure. It could be a thing here, but I don't think I've ever heard it. It's going to bug me because I feel like we definitely did talk about femicide recently. We did. I can't think of it either. Uh, I was just trying to look.
1: No, I searched the notes. It only comes up in this one. Anyway, I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. So these two episodes have – mentally drained me. Like, I'm, d- I'm done with the world. I hate everyone. I'm just, they're just, it's just horrible. They're all yeah. horrible. We'll just end it there because I'm upset.
1: I was going <laughs> to do I'm Alex. Tired. Uh, like I was just looking at the schedule and I didn't realize actually that these two episodes would be so kind of men heavy, but I was going to do I Alex know. Murdoch next. Maybe we'll do more of Murray instead just to break it up a bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh,
0: all right. So we'll end it there we don't need me to, to go on any more rants about hating everyone <laughs> um, so everything for these cases as always will be on our blog at You blog.com follow us on Instagram we'll post like any updates for any of these cases on there probably before you get to do like an update episode so definitely follow us there at true crime society um, you can follow my personal account mine is StephSum underscore and Olivia's personal account is TCS Olivia um, we post there about like, whatever we want. If you want to see what we're up to in our, our normal lives, I don't even know what comes next. <laughs> you check can, out the
1: blog. I don't know if you said
0: that. <laughs> no, I did the delirious.
1: Oh, I you.
0: I literally feel delirious. Like, my <laughs> eyes are crossing. Um, Leave us a review, <laughs> share the podcast, um, post in your Instagram stories. Please do all those things. We appreciate it so much. And check out our sponsors. They'll be in the episode notes. And if you ever need any codes, you can message us. But thank you guys for listening. I'm sorry if this episode enraged you as well, but we gotta know this stuff. We gotta, like, we gotta just know what's going on in the world and let people know that this isn't okay. Before anyone, too, is like, why don't you guys ever
1: cover women who do this? We are. It's coming in the next few weeks. (laughs) Yeah. And we have in the past before anyone says that. It just somehow ended up that this is a double man episode. (laughs) Double, yeah, yeah, double man episode.
0: Yeah. Don't get mad at us,
1: please. i 98% like <laughs> of our listeners are women anyway, so hopefully it's all right. <laughs>
0: yeah. There's always that one that's like, I can't believe you would say that you hate all men. Like, it was clearly like a joke these episodes were exhausting. About the worst of men, yeah. Yeah. But, anyways, thank you guys for listening. Uh, stay safe out there. Peace out. See ya. <laughs>